Welcome to episode two of the third season of the Giving Leader Podcast with Phil Ling. You can find out more about what we do at thegivingchurch.com. My guest today is Charlie McMahon. Charlie has been with the Southbrook Christian Church in Miamisburg, Ohio for several years, a church that pre-pandemic was 5,000 or so on the weekend, a gifted leader. But we're going to talk about a very important issue today that's near and dear to his heart, and that's mental health, especially among teenagers. I hope you'll listen to Charlie McMahon from Southbrook. Thanks, everybody, for tuning back in. It's uh, session number two of Lead Together. I'm Phil Ling. I'm the host and the founder of The Giving Church. Um, all I wanted to do when I came up with this, Cooper and I talked about it a long time ago, was start going through the the imaginary Rolodex. Nobody really has a Rolodex anymore, but imaginary Rolodex of people that I've met through the years and introduce them to pastors that are still in the trenches today and talk about various subjects that deal with the reality of today. So we are in uncharted waters, man, this this whole pandemic thing. Uh, just the ability to, to look at you all via the screen is amazing. Um, with the, I've never seen any kind of an issue face the church in my career that had one component was, oh, and you can't get together. That is just is an amazing piece. So with that in mind, uh, one of the, the headlines that you see, keep seeing pop up now with isolation, especially children, kids that still can't get into the classroom, uh, let alone church programs, things like that, is mental health. And mental health, not only for adults, um, I read a headline yesterday, it was from an adult and talking about the isolation and this, the, the pressure of the economy and COVID. And it says, I feel like I'm coming apart inside. And then to exacerbate that by saying, okay, put that pressure on kids and see what kind of effect that has. So my guest today is a friend, Charlie McMahon. Charlie is, uh, for the last 25 years, has been leading as the lead pastor of Southbrook Christian Church in Miamisburg, Ohio, which is Dayton, the greater Dayton area. And when he got there, it was a handful of folks as a new church plant. And today you'll find a church of, of several thousand uh, huge, their, their main campus was the uh, National Cash Register's headquarters, if you remember that company, and took that over and the 40 acres around it and built it out. And it's a, a thriving community. They've done a lot of cool stuff, especially during the pandemic. Uh, I've talked about their food program and grocery for people and all kinds of cool stuff. But the reason I wanted to bring Charlie in, he has a unique perspective and has a unique project that he's doing on this whole mental health thing. So I just want to unpack that. Welcome, Charlie. Charlie is upper right on my screen. I don't know where it is on your screen. Charlie, how are you? Good, good, Phil. I'm good. Good to be with you guys. Charlie said he just looked out his window and they've got about 15 inches of snow. I don't. I'm happy. <laughs> I, uh, as you see that that winter swath go down is like uh, you know hey i'm just outside of it i'm in god's grace and you're not and that's okay yeah. <laughs> hey so uh, the let me let me back up a little bit uh, because when you came up with the idea of the players box it came out of um several facets of your life i don't want to tell your story but several facets of your life both you how you're wired 
and then your kids and how they're wired. So give me, let's go back to the beginning. Give me some, some germs here that how this thing started to grow the seeds of this thing for the players box. Yeah. So I was, uh, I played basketball in college and my son and daughter come along and she's a, she becomes a world-class dancer. She danced internationally in competitions. And my son is clearly more talented than I was. Um, he was playing division one high school basketball in Ohio as a freshman starting and uh, long story short, the combination I had coached in that program in Springboro for a number of years, the head coach was my best friend and uh, the common, it was a perfect storm of pressure and expectation on Austin in particular that resulted in severe depression and then drug addiction. So much so that by his senior year, he didn't even play. He'd been all conference in the greater Western Ohio conference, which is one of the largest conferences in Ohio. So very competitive, all division one schools. He'd been all conference two years, his senior year, he doesn't play. That was in 09. At the time, I thought that was the worst thing that ever happened. Now I realize he wouldn't be alive today if he'd have played. And that began a journey for me of self-awareness. As you guys know, if you're a parent, it seems like you learn parenting lessons five minutes too late. Does anybody ever feel that way? It's like, oh, dang, if I'd have known that five minutes ago, how different things would be. And um I became more aware that I didn't realize that when I walked into the room, when I walked into the gym, the temperature went up for him. I was unaware of that. And then the coaches expected him to be me. And I'm a very competitive individual. Austin was not in our, we use the Enneagram for our personality type analysis. I'll, I'll tell you about in a moment, but he, he is a six or he's a five, excuse me. He's not, um, he's not a, a lion-type personality like I am. And the, they, they, those guys rode his ass like white on rice, man. I mean, they, they just – it was a perfect storm. And then on top of it, a lot of people in Springboro attend our church. And so I remember one time I had a friend who said, Charlie, do you realize that people root for you on Sunday and root against your son on Friday who were on the same team? And it was awful. And I said, I'm not going to let that happen to another kid if I can help it. I'm not going to let that happen. So out of that, I developed a play program, P-L-A-Y, that I'll get into here in a minute. But it came out of, I'm not going to let this happen to kids. We, we were already beginning to see the epidemic of unhealthy pressure for performance on kids. And that's where it started. Now, you said, just talk about this, because... We're, and this is just not athletics and we'll unpack it because mm -hmm. all kids are wired differently. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my son, the only time he played sports as a kid was so he could be with his friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. You know, he'd be, the, he'd be the one sitting in the outfit field looking at a flower or something, you know, it didn't yeah. really interest him because he's the musician. But uh, so the player's box is just not the athletics, but to look at Austin's pressure, you were small college, all American, you were good. And it was a big part of your identity, mm -hmm. but Austin's not wired like you. Mm -hmm. 
even no. though he has talent athletically, but he's not wired like you. Yeah, which was a part of why the the play system came about, as we'll get into, P stands for personality type. It's so critical. And I'll tell you why, especially if you have kids, you have siblings, you have multiple kids. But yes, and we used to use the Gary Smalley system of personality analysis. And in that, I'm a lion and that he's an otter golden retriever. And what happens in competition, whether it's arts, academics, or athletics, is I see this all the time. The older child is not as talented, but as with a lot of firstborns, they're more driven, more competitive, more responsible. The second one comes along, they're much more talented, but they're kind of like, hey, is it a party? I'll join it. And everybody says, if Trisha were as competitive as Tammy, wow, would she be good? Let's turn her into Tammy. And that's why a lot of even division one female athletes quit by the time they're senior in high school is because a lot of times they're just expected to be something they're not just because they're gifted. And that happened with Austin for sure. Okay. So, so fast forward, you come up with the idea of play, unpack it. What is play? Okay. So uh, real quick over analysis, the purpose of play is to equip students for the pressures of performance in one simple phrase. It's to help teach kids how to play in their academic, artistic, and athletic pursuits. And, and if you guys have been to five minutes of a youth sports contest, then you know why this is critical, because we've lost the art of play. We've lost now everything. And I saw this shift take place after Tiger won the Masters in 97. A shift took place. Oh, boy, if we do it right, our kid can be the next. Our kid can get the scholarship. And once it's a means to an end, play is over. It's done. Now, they may still enjoy it if they're good at it, but play is over because now it's a means to an end. It's not just an end in itself of character development and recreation. And so PLAY stands for first personality type. And this affects pressure. Personality type is how you either internalize or externalize pressure. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, we've now switched from the Smalley system of the lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever to a more complex system, but it's actually more nuanced. And that's the nine types of the Enneagram. And again, I can't emphasize this enough because we're, we're training coaches to realize you don't coach teams and you don't coach sports. You teach, you coach personalities. And, and you can't coach a three or an eight the same way you coach a nine or a two. You just can't. You can try, but you're going to ruin the kid. You're going to make everybody miserable, including yourself. And so this has probably been a biggest breakthrough for parents and coaches, which is the most important part of this training, is, is just helping them appreciate the differences in their children, in their players. So P is about whether you internalize or externalize pressure. For example, the five, the nine, the two, they internalize pressure. If you're coaching one of them, you don't need to put more pressure on them because they already feel the pressure not to let the team down. A three and an eight tend to put external pressure. They put pressure on their environment. Hey, suck it up and let's get going here because we need to win this. That's all, that's all a three and an eight care about. And so it, it really helps them get a grasp on how pressure affects them and how they affect their environments. And L stands for learning style. This, the P word here is it affects how you practice. 
because your learning style is what determines your the processing of information, the reception processing of information. And so we keep it real simple. We don't go into the abstract concrete. We don't go into linear analytical. We just stay on the visual auditory and con, uh, kinesthetic learners. And this one is right with the first one helps kids understand, okay, I'm not crazy. There's not something wrong with me because this coach that all he does is lecture. I don't get it. Well, it's because you're a visual learner. You need to see it. I was a visual kinesthetic, which meant I need to see it. And then I need, you need to let me do it. Don't, don't overcoach me. Let me go figure it out and I'll figure it out on my own. So that's why I didn't do well under coaches who overanalyzed me. I, I fell out of love with basketball as a freshman in college because I had a coach who said, well, you can shoot from this angle, but you can't shoot from the, the, the wing because it's a bad rebounding angle. And I just remember going, no wonder I fell out of love with basketball. He was just overanalyzing everything. And that's, that's a huge one. You can't underestimate the learning style capacity because, again, siblings get compared to each other. And the kids aren't dumb. It's just about connecting with their learning style. A stands for ability level. And that affects purpose, helping a student understand why are you doing this? And the story I tell is I used to, I do a lot of coaching for tennis players and Springboro has a, a really good female uh, women's tennis program. And I remember I had a little a group and four of them were going to be division one, two or three scholarship players. And one of them wasn't, she was really good. She was, she was fifth on the team and uh, on a, on a, um, probably a top eight in the state team, but she's five, two didn't have a lot of power and was miserable all the time because she knew she didn't match those other girls. And I set her down. I said, Amber, do you realize that you're in the upper 3% of all tennis players in the world? You realize that 97% of the people who play tennis in the world can't play it to the level you play it. You are going to kick butt in club tennis for the rest of your life. It's not a failure that you're not playing division one, two or three tennis. And I just remember the look on her face like, that's okay. My mom and dad are spending all this money on lessons and it's okay that I'm not. Yes. And I had already talked to her parents about it. It was okay with them too, that they weren't wasting their money, but that helped her understand her purpose. All of a sudden now it wasn't just scholarship. It was recreation, physical training, you know, and all that today she's, you know, she's in her late twenties and she's, she plays tennis all the time at a local club. Why is a big one? Because it stands for yes factor and it affects your positivity. And this one, if you look at it as a clock, why is it nine o'clock and P is it at, at midnight? And the reason is the yes factor is hugely connected to personality type, your ability to affirm yes when you do things correctly. But it's huge. I know in our demographic, I imagine a lot of you too had students and performers who come from high-functioning families. So, of course, we don't celebrate an A-plus on your biology exam. In this family, that's what you're supposed to do. And what happens is we have tons of high-functioning families with high-functioning kids, and they only make note of when they do it wrong. They have a great no factor, but they have a terrible yes factor, which if you know anything about neurology, the reason that Rafael Nadal gives a fist pump after he hits that forehand down the line like he wants is he's telling his brain, let's do that again next time we have that forehand down the, down the line. And, and so this one's big because it connects so much back to personality, but also family of origin. And I think it's the hardest one to break kids out of. 
it's the hardest thing to break them out of this idea that I don't celebrate when I make the free throw. I don't give a yes uh, every time. I don't do that because in our family, we don't do that. Well, yeah, you do do that. If you really want to perform at your highest unconscious level, you do do that. So pressure, practice, purpose, and positivity, those are the four effects a personality type, learning style, ability level, and yes factor. And the whole program is built on those four pillars. Okay. So lots and lots of directions to go with that and, and got some good questions already. Give me some ages. So when you introduce the testing, how do you figure all this out with kids? Is it a certain, like 12 years old, seven years old? How, when, when's all that happens? Yeah. So our next iteration will be to get to elementary. But uh, if anybody knows anybody really good at communicating with elementary kids, performance principles, then I'm all ears. But <laughs> until then, we're just, we keep it at middle school and high school. Middle school, we know they are just getting their field plowed and some seed planted. We don't expect that really to have a lot of fruit initially. High school is now we're seeing we're in our third year. I'm in my 10th year doing it, but we're in our third year doing it at our church with the material, and we're seeing fruit. We're, we're really seeing high school fruit. It, the great thing about Players Box, it's a covert leadership development program because as soon as those kids grasp a hold of this, we get the high school kids, you're leading a table in the element or the uh, middle school uh, tables. So it's a, it's, it's many of our kids will point back to Players Box was the beginning of their leadership development. And they didn't, that's not what they got it in for. They got in for a felt need. And so we keep it at that, you know, every Tuesday night during our sessions, it's six to seven middle school, seven thirty to nine high school, same material adapted differently per high school, middle school learning, uh, learning capabilities and, and stuff. Now for parents who have a parallel program during both of those sessions, we let parents of any age come, but we really emphasize parents of elementary because there's one thing better than the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff it's the fence at the top of the cliff and how many parents we saw going through this going oh my gosh i wish i would have known this when trisha was in second grade and that is our goal is to get trisha in second grade as phil and tim know are we're going to totally renovate our building so that it's a player's box facility and uh, we're not there yet, but we want to get there to where we, we, we disciple these kids to Jesus through the means of performance pressure beginning at a very early age. Their parents are key, though. And if you, you catch anything with this, guys, anybody remember Caesar, the dog whisperer? He said, I don't, I don't train dogs. I rehabilitate dogs. I train dog owners. And we don't train kids so much as we rehabilitate them, but the training has to be the parents and the coaches. You can't resurrect what the home's put in the death. Okay, so uh, a couple of different things. First of all, and we'll we'll touch on this in a minute. Uh, this is a not just an idea. Charlie's been doing this and teaching it for about ten years. Southbrook's embodying it now for the last three years. But they're getting ready to do a big initiative where they actually transform their building, spend a bunch of money to make it uh, more conducive to the whole player's box because their youth ministry, and don't let me put words in your mouth, your youth ministry is going to run through this track to, to some degree. Yeah. But but on what I want you to say before we go too far, how exactly you're going to do that, uh, not every kid's athletic. So talk about the other two pieces. Yeah, I wish I could show you guys pictures of the, we're taking our small theater and it'll be the arts, the player's box arts theater. Uh, that, you know, we'll do two productions a year and kids will learn, hey, if your your passion is building sets, 
if it's painting, if it's dancing, if it's singing, that's the arts. And it'll teach the player's box principles of performance, P-L-A-Y. And then we're building actually a mezzanine over our entrance will be the academic area. And that'll be to help kids because it's huge. As you guys know, uh, we have students who they get a 31 on their ACT and they're panicking. Oh, my gosh, because their parents are more concerned that they're going to get into Harvard than heaven. Uh, they're panicking, you know, that, oh, my gosh, this is this is terrible. He only got a 31. And so the, the performance pressure is huge here. It's not Silicon Valley, but it's you know, it's, it's, it's up there. And then of course the, our main theater is going to transition into a gym training area six days a week. Uh, so the focus will be arts, academics, and athletics. And we are going to do our children's and student ministry through that. So when your child says, you know, my passion is math, that will be their small group. They'll, they'll have their math group that is being led during the week. And when they come on Sunday, they'll be doing math stuff and they'll learn Jesus, the great mathematician through mathematics. And that's, so we're, we're transitioning to this. And here's why one of our ex student pastors, who's now doing something else at our church, he said this a couple years ago, and it really struck me, Phil. He said, Charlie, this is the most effective student ministry I've ever seen because it doesn't ask kids to come here and we'll help you be Jesus. It meets kids where they are right now. And from that, what I've seen is, you know, I baptized so many kids through this program and I did not start out talking to them about Jesus. That's not, I, mean, I didn't start there. I started with, you're dying. You've got an eating disorder. Let's get you help. And it's going to do more than help your forehand. It's going to help you in life. And it's, it's really amazing. The, the, the inductive process, as we know, in culture right now through evangelism is so big. But we landed on a, a, an inductive process through Players Box that just it meets kids and families right where they are. Okay, so, the, so one of the reasons I want to bring Charlie on and talk about this uh, the mental health thing, I think, resonates with everybody right now in the middle of what we're experiencing as a country. Uh, youth ministry, it's kind of like small groups. I used to show up at a church for the last several years, and I'd say, tell me about your small groups ministry. And anybody that said it was really great, I knew was lying. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, okay, come on, let's, let's be honest, because it's tough. And so same thing, youth ministry, it's like, okay, what's it like today versus 10 years ago versus 20 years ago? And it's getting more and more difficult so this is not necessarily for everybody, but it's a different track to run on for that in the three different groups, which maybe not every kid falls neatly in, but pretty much in those academics, arts, athletics. How do, how do they, to begin that process, does, do kids self-identify? How does it, or does a kid just say, hey, my friend's in the academics thing, so I'll go with him one time? How do you do that? Well, right now they're all grouped together. So we do three six-week sessions of initial training. We have in between that what we call OMGs, Open Mind Gyms, where we do uh, real nuanced training based on something that happened Sunday in sports or what have you, or, 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 uh, or a movie or a show. Right now, they're all together, and then they break out in tables based on their friends and choice. So when we get to the renovation of the building, it won't be that way. I don't even know if we'll do the six-week training. We're just going to do it right, right in with the basketball group. Hey, today we're going to do big you, little you training while we're shooting free throws. Uh, dance group. We're going to we're going to we're going to talk about the yes factor today. That's going to be our training today. So 
they, right now they're pretty lumped together, except at their tables after the breakout. I do about 10 minutes teaching with each one. We realize that, you know, guys, uh, you know, people don't like to listen to us preachers as long as we like to talk to them. Have you ever noticed that? But it's really true with middle schoolers. It's really true <laughs> with high schoolers. And so we do about 10 minutes teaching. And then I've got a my right hand person is a she's the mental coach at the University of Dayton. She's a, her husband's volleyball coach at UD. And she does incredible uh, she's actually a part of our, our curriculum that we've copywritten. She's, she developed a lot of the exercises and they do that at their tables, you know, with their academic artistic or athletic focus friends, but they do mix some too, Phil. So at any given table, we may have three people who are in band or, or a, a music and uh, what have you. And then we may have two cyclists and a golfer at the same table. The good thing is for performance, the pressure issue is transcendent of all three of those spheres. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't change at all in terms of uh, expectations, right? Pressure is expectation and my belief that I can meet that expectation. Okay, so as I'm listening to it, because I, you know, I've got to see, I actually saw the preliminary drawings that Monty came up with the other day, which are really, really cool for your facility. Um, but is this Southbrook's got a big pool because you're a big church. Is this the, the kids that are already attached or is this going to be a community-based thing too, where you're reaching out to kids and anybody could come? Yeah, anybody can come. And we, about 80% are, are, are kids in our church right now. Now I do my own players box group at my tennis center on Wednesday nights. And there, you know, I do, you know, what's for me is cool. Uh, my passion is evangelism. So, I mean, I have kids that I'm their pastor and they're Muslim and, and Hindu. I mean, they, you know, it's so cool. They would never call me that, but that's, that's what, you know, that's what they look toward. And so I do that. And that's where the majority of my outreach goes into. Those kids will be a part of this program. Once we open up the facility for that, I'm sure of it. They'll be a part of it. But right now, it's about 80% kids our church. You know, the two weeks preceding the launch of a new six-week training session, we push it real hard on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's really not hard to push it right now because two things, kids are going crazy and parents are going crazy around crazy kids. So they're, they're really ready to get them doing something else. So, um, yeah, mostly it's our kids. Okay, so a couple different questions. One, uh, with the the practical side of this, as you're building this, do everybody has to recruit youth workers. It's hard. Normally, is this harder to recruit them or is it easier because it's also based on their likes, interests? Tell me what your, your experience there is. We have to turn people away. Wow. We, we, we have to turn people away. I mean, first of all, there are so many school student counselors out there that are so thankful for players box because they just take the stuff we teach and that's what they do at, at, at Franklin high school, at Waynesville high school. So we've got, it's, it's been amazing because this is getting integrated in the schools around here without us doing anything, except there are coaches at the table. And you want to think about, you know, a whoopee of comfort is when I've got, uh, psychologists and guidance counselors who are at our tables. Because believe me, this is not about Anna's free throw shooting. It's about the eating disorder she has because of the same issues. So 
you know, I know how to stay in my lane and we have to turn people down. We, we have to say, Hey, this, this quarter, we've got too many coaches. Uh, can you come on next quarter? And, and it is the antithesis of, yeah, uh, student ministry today is just lost. I mean, if you, if you're struggling with student ministry, you join the crowd because fill your spot on you're lost and nobody wants to deal with kids, complex problems today. And, and, whatever reason we've latched onto something that's just hitting it head on. It's just head on. It gets really messy. Don't get me wrong. It gets really messy. And I'm thankful for the whoopee of Tiffany, the guidance counselor at Waynesville who said, Hey, Tiff, you take this one. Okay. You go, you go there. And um, that's how we're doing it. But you know, we've got uh, probably a hundred coaches who attend our church. So we've got tons of football and basketball coaches, tennis coaches, lacrosse coaches, hockey coaches that are part of our program now because they want to coach better. You know, they want to be better. And it's so cool to see a guy who's, he's a judge. He's the first black magistrate judge in Montgomery County's history. And he's, he's leading a group of five middle schoolers, um, you know, at a table. It's crazy. Uh, but he was also a college football player. So he, he understands. It's just, it's just crazy. So we've lucked into it. Okay. So first of all, I got to know, am I the only person that doesn't know what a whoopee is? Did you not see Mr. Mom? <laughs> Did you? Bill, who among us has not seen Mr. Mom? And he and, and his little boy has his whoopee. That's his comfort blanket. Linus's yeah. comfort blanket was a whoopee. I'm sorry, I, would, I lost you in the terms I, there. Is everybody else yeah. is, is, is out of touch with 80s movies as Phil Ling is? I, I, I see, see, my, my kid is old, and uh, I was getting ready to put you on a 10 second delay because I just didn't know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Hey, you let me go. I'll quote eighties movies till your hair turns blue. You know, I mean eighties was a decade we should forget. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, the the finding the people, training them, uh athletic side. How about the academic side? Just as many you got is it easier easier or hard to find it's, those it's folks? Easy. Now we have a one of our pastors is uh, an academic tutor. So he's leading that whole wing right now. And um, the biggest felt need in the upper middle-class suburbs is the ACT pressure. So it's even higher and broader than, um, than the sports athletics pressure. And so it's not hard. It's just, we don't have the volume of academic participants that we do athletics because players box just lends itself to grabbing the attention of the athletes more initially that will change once you come into our building and you see this big academics let the world see or know what you know tagline arts let the world feel what you feel athletics uh, etc that'll change i mean it'll it'll open up because the felt need of academic pressure around here is you know, at Centerville High School, you can have a 4-2 and you're 37th in your class. It's okay, crazy. so part of the reason I wanted to do this, because I, I always like to shine a light on stuff that I find. Somebody's doing something cool, you want to shine a light on it. But the other part is that you you spent a lot of time over these last 10 years developing Players Box so that other churches could do it too. So t talk that. Do you have to be a big church? Can mm -hmm. a modest-sized church do it? Walk me through how somebody might be able to do, do this. Yeah. So the cool thing is, is players box gets better when it's in groups of four and five. So if you have four or five kids that could use help with academic 
at artistic or athletic pressure, you got it. You got it. And uh, I, so it's real simple. We have this, this is Eric Fleming. He's actually our senior high pastor. I grabbed his cause I couldn't find mine. This is the coach's manual. So if you guys want one of these, it's copywritten, but we can send it to you. And it's just, it's basically the whole program. Um, we are, we are in the process. This is getting redone. So if you could wait about a month, I, I get you the new one, which I think is a lot better than this one, but the students get a journal. That's exactly like this, except the pages are blank. And um, you you go to town. I mean, you, you know, you go to town. Some of the stuff's original to us. Most of it is uh, either adapted. For example, a big influence on my mental coaching is is Dr. Tim Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis. Uh, Tom Brady has used the Inner Game of Tennis, and so I took a concept from him on uh, self one and self two. And I didn't, I knew that I didn't speak as well to kids and I changed the language to big you and little you, you know, little you, the, the lobster that shrinks when it's dominated and big you, the lobster that expands the wonder woman pose, you know, the expands. And so things like that. So there's adaptation and then there's just stuff that we have totally taken from grit, from mindset by Carl Dweck. And, and, you know, it's, it's all noted in there. So it's, um, you, you could take it and say, hey, I just want to beta test this with four of my students. And uh, boom, you got a group. You know, you start there. Okay, so everybody listening, if you're interested in getting that, uh, send a note to Cooper. And we'll make sure that, that you get it if you're interested in that. Um, and then also, as, as Monty, uh, Monty's our builder friend, as Monty gets closer to what it's going to look like, I think it'd be cool just to see a picture of how they're going to do their facilities. Cause this is a big deal. This is a big, first of all, he doesn't, he just glosses it over. Cause he says, we're going to take the little theater, which is a cool theater that we redid just a few years ago. <laughs> and it's going to be for the arts. And then over the mezzanine where they're going to do the academics is a, an addition. Okay. But the main thing is you're taking your main room, your auditorium, and it's going to be the big room for the athletics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's big. Cause you know, it's, it's a really nice room. And, and for, you know, we, we built that and got into it in 08 and I'm like, dag on it for 10 years. I was like, why did we build a flat floor? We did that because we thought we might need a gym someday. And for, you know, eight, nine years, I was like, dag on, I wish we'd have built a slope floor. And then COVID hit. And then we realized we are on to something with players box. Thank you, God, that we built a flat floor. Thank you, God, because now. I mean, the, the big sell in this program is how do you argue against a room that gets used one day a week being used seven days a week now? Like, how, how do you, how do you, how do you argue against that? Oh, and by the way, it's for kids who are under pressure. So it's just, it's going to be the easiest money we've ever raised, which is a relative statement, but nonetheless. <laughs> now, one of the components and one of the coolest pieces is the outdoor section. How are you going to use it? It's, and it's hard to, it's almost like a, a clam domed outdoor spot that's going to have a high-tech floor so what how are you going to use it yeah so it's cool because it, it it'll be like you know you guys are familiar with hoosiers hinkle field house but it's open on each side and so it's just it'll be actually connected to our our the back of our stage in our theater and I, I think it's your right field. it is the coolest thing you've ever seen and i'd love to show i wish i could show it to everybody i have uh, i have, I, I, I have it on my phone actually I could probably see it. Okay, okay. So, I mean, it's just like Cooper yeah. can send a, you gotta understand, send a when we snapshot. started our church, 
we started in a really a glorified bus maintenance garage. So for us, the Clampets have moved to California, man. I mean, it is it's like, are you kidding me? This facility, it's 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 really cool because it's gonna be able to do volleyball and concerts and all that, but it's just an outdoor facility that we'll use, you know, nine nine months out of the year. And it has a play area and it'll have a sand volleyball and all that. We'll be able to do training and camps and and that sort of thing. We're the other thing that Phil and Tim are cued in on, guys, is that we're building our church as if we're not going to have an offering on Sunday, because you know what? We our boomers are dying, and nobody's going to church anymore. Guess what? We don't have the offering on Sunday we used to have, even though we've done pretty well with the electronic giving. We're, we we built a chapel that is totally about getting people to do their weddings and funerals here, and it's a money maker for us. And we're doing the same thing with that facility. That we'll we'll uh, send you some pics because there it's it's some cool stuff. It's really the neat. reverie is what he's talking about with the chapel. When we call it a chapel, it's not doing it justice because it was aimed to be an outreach. Thinking that there are two times when a secular person thinks about spiritual things, getting married and dying, and so can we develop something that's not the 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 uh, institutional contemporary box church, but something that they might want to use do it in such a way that it's an outreach piece, uh, organize it in such a way that it has its own revenue stream and do it where it's a venue that's sought after, which it is. I mean, the numbers are crazy off the hook uh, on wanting to use it. And now with the player's box transforming the rest of the facility. Okay. Now for something completely different, the man with two butts. No, that's, that's uh money Python. Um, <laughs> And is I, it I true? What we got? We got we got Mr. Mom and Monty Python, and we are doing it. We is is it true or apocryphal? Is it true or apocryphal? The Bobby Knight said you had the purest left hand foul shot free throw that he's ever seen. I think it's apocryphal. I've been told that by that he said that, but I can't. I mean, the only time he ever saw me play was at a camp, and I can't imagine that Bobby Knight was paying much attention to me at a camp. So, so now it's an interesting thing because I mean, it, it is a part of my story. I can't deny at one time I was a world-class shooter and my son was better than I was. And he stopped playing because it pained him so much. So think about that guys. Now I want to say something too, for those of you who have children who are really struggling and you, if you have someone, you know, please, from this today, let there be the immediate redemption. Call me and let's talk because that's the biggest thing we're doing. One of the kids I've been helping, she's going to be playing at Rice University next year. She's first team all state. She quit for three games this year because the pressure was too great. She quit. She had a mental breakdown. The thing that brought her out of it is the top five player in the world who plays for Wayne High School is going to South Carolina. She wanted to quit, and they both realize they're both miserable. So when I say that, you know, we're helping kids right now navigate all of this. And if your student, your child is going through that, we can help because I'll be damned if I'm going to let this happen to another kid that I can keep it from happening from. And when Austin came into recovery in about – 12 2012 uh, it began a journey for him now he's on a process he's one of our pastors here at southbrook you can't believe the impact he has because of his story you know and and frankly it's embarrassing as the lead pastor because aren't we supposed to have all the answers but my my god's used my scars he hasn't used my stars 
I mean, he, he's used my scars. We're, we're able to connect with people now because they know, we know as a family what it's like to nearly lose two kids to pressure because we did. We nearly lost two kids to pressure. I didn't go into my daughter and the body image issues she developed in dancing, but we, we can't help you today to navigate that. Okay, we got a few minutes left. I know this will be unruly, but I want to open up for some questions and we'll just try to squeeze in a few. Anybody got a question? Give me a thumbs up or something and we'll we'll open you up. Andrew. Can you unmute? Oh, Andrew? there we go. I had to unmute myself. You, hey, Charlie, you. thanks. Um, did you get good active volunteering from community leaders and stuff? It sounds really interesting, like you're getting integrated into schools and a lot. Was there a, a way that you all did that or a way you navigated that or did it just kind of happen naturally as word spread? Here's how it happened. We said, hey, I'm looking for this kind of personality type with coaches and these kinds of skills and abilities. They came forward three years ago, formed our initial team, and then the word gets out. So we have, I bet we have half of Springboro's football and basketball coaching staff on our team. And then what happened from there is they went back into the school with it informally. That's what happened. Now, one of the we're next year, we're going to turn Springboro. I think it's going to happen into a total players box program. You will not coach. You will not. Uh, your child will not play in Springboro if you're if you don't go through the program. Like you know, I sound like a Nazi, you know, or, or something saying that. But you know, it, it's it's a. Uh, it, I mean, it's it. We're going to turn the whole program from soup to nuts into a players box program. So that hasn't happened yet, but it's happening because these people are going back out and saying, hey, here's here's this stuff works. Let, let me ask you a, a practical question, because this was not something you started with. It's something that you built after you've been at the church for a long time. So the existing youth staff, everybody jump up and down when Charlie came up with a new idea or was there a, some turnover? I mean, because it, it, it sounds like you might even look for different staff based upon doing this. Yeah, you do. So uh, that's a great question because Eric Fleming is our senior high pastor and he's a, he's a former player uh, as well. He's from Louisville. And uh, I don't think you can grow up in Louisville or Lexington without shooting a basketball. Is that right, Tim? I don't, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's legal. I don't think it's legal. <laughs> you are uh, correct. But he just, I mean, he's just all over this and he's going to be a major leader once it becomes a player's box facility. But for example, to your point, we recently let go a full-time children's staff. We're waiting to fill that position based on player's box because we think the position we're going to fill is the leader of the arts. So, yes, Phil, it's totally, it is totally, uh, is totally forming how we hire. Because as you guys know, I mean, arts, academics, and athletics, nobody falls through the cracks of that unless, you know, unless they're homeschooled and, gravel switch Kentucky somewhere, they're going to, they're going to be involved in, you know, somewhere in, in one of those three. Uh, I said, we just, I we just lost Kentucky. our, audience. I was in Kentucky for seven years, Tim, don't give me the evil. Yes. Idea, Cooper, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And homeschoolers has now grown during COVID. So, um, mm -hmm. they, no, yeah. what I was saying, cause I was thinking about that, those three areas, which do, uh, what's interesting. I, I I don't know. This is probably not an area. Maybe it's just a like, but I, I do know of a guy in, in Northern Virginia that's developed an online platform for gamers 
and which attracts lots and lots of kids that fall into that group. Um, I don't know that maybe that's academic. I don't know. No, that'd that be fits. competitive because yeah, now it is a, it's a scholarship port sport like Robert Morris and play, things like that, which do any of us ever think we'd live in a world where gaming would be a scholarship sport, but it is. It is. <laughs> All right. I, how about another question? Somebody give me a, a thumbs up if you got a question. Cooper, you had your yours unmuted. Are you you had a question? Uh, yeah, I'll ask one. Uh, Charlie, so you you touched on it. You touched on it briefly and moved on. But how accepting was the local school system? Obviously, you had a relationship as a coach with the school system. But how accepting was the local school system with the initial idea? And then how have they seen the benefits uh, moving forward? Because it seems like a great chance as a partnership between a church and a local school system. Yeah, the good thing is, is, is uh, we intentionally did this. And, uh, you know, our players box material does not have one scripture in it. It has scriptural truth in it. But it does have one scripture. And the reason we did that is that that would give us a doorway into the Muslim, Hindu, and the local church, uh, school communities. And so we, are, we sold out to the inductive method of, hey, let's, let's heal people with the power of Jesus. And let's introduce them to Jesus once they're, they see. You know, once I don't know who did this, but I know I was blown by And once it happens people become very amenable to the message. The the one thing that's ameliorated that a little bit is the only coaches I deal with are Christ followers. So the head coach at high school, very successful coach. He's a Christ follower. He teaches it in his, but he does it the same way we do it. Now, when we get to certain levels of open mind, Jim, that, that's when we go deeper into Christ but they don't do it on the school levels. Is that, it? Does that answer like, your question, Tim? Uh, that's great. Uh, I, I feel like I'm... We haven't gone official yet with any school. We're hoping to next year with Springboro. I feel like I'm, I'm hosting an ESPN show where all everybody's virtual and sometimes they freeze. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the new world of communication. Charlie yeah, is frozen. That's the new world we live in, Phil. Uh, there you go. At least I can hear you, even if you're frozen, even if you're frozen. Hey, Char, and you may not even know because this is an unfair question with COVID and everything like that, but I'm anxious to see how your numbers reflect. So if you looked at all the kids involved in your junior high and high school ministries, say two years ago, and then going forward with players box, do you think you'll see an increase in numbers because those outside the church come too, or will it impact it at all? You're, I'm, I'm losing you a little bit, Phil. I'm sorry. There, it's, see, it's because you are covered in 15 inches of snow. And I am in a place with no snow. You, everybody else is frozen, and I'm not. So I'm assuming I'm the one that's actually frozen, and you guys are good. That is correct. But I can hear you. So how is it going to affect your numbers, if you can hear me? Okay. Is, do you think you have more kids involved in it than you did, say, two years ago in youth ministry? And we lost Charlie again. <laughs> okay, two things. You One, now it's up to there you go. Are you back? No, he's not back. 
Uh, am I there? Am I, uh, yeah, am now I, you're here. Now you're here. Am I? Oh, whatever. It is like, just teases us. And you've been frozen with your hand under your chin for 10 minutes. Um, Cooper will do two things. One is if you're interested in getting the manual and everything about players box, then make sure you let him know and he will get you that. The other is that we'll shoot out a picture of how they're uh, changing their building when that's available. Cause it's, it's kind of cool. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring it forward, it's not something just a certain church can do in a certain area. We've got a, a modest church in the Midwest looking at it uh, with a new facility. And if, and this is, this is a prejudicial statement, but as I journey through churches all over the country, when it comes to youth ministry, there was a lot that would seem to like to be operating on the philosophy. Like, let's do fun stuff, get a bunch of kids come to it. Hopefully we'll hook onto some of them and help them navigate life and become disciples. Not a whole lot of a process. This just sounded fresh to me. This was sounded like maybe it doesn't fit everybody, uh, but it sure was a, a, a fresh approach. Had any of you guys ever heard anything like this? Got a lot of no's. Um, so that that's Charlie, you're back. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm back. I can okay. Hear you. So, okay. My question was just dealing with, if you looked at your numbers two years ago in youth ministry and then going forward, do you think they're going to grow through players box or it's just a new track to run the train on? Yeah, they'll grow if you lump those in together, but it's like everything else. The old rules of measurables just don't apply anymore. They just don't. And that would be true of this. You know, the, the 90s youth group is pretty dead. At least it is at Southbrook. I mean, we just we just can't get any traction. But, you know, we have a few hundred kids who are involved from in one way or another in players box. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I suppose it comes down to the same thing. Jesus only counts disciples. So in the end of the day, that's all that matters anyway. But we know this, we are engaging more kids through Players Box than we do through our Sunday night senior high student gathering. Okay. That's, that's what I'm looking for. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Is there any overlap? I know this is this is kind of mundane stuff, but any overlap like those that are working on Sunday night uh, youth ministry volunteering, are they also working in Players Box or is it all, or is it two complete separate different groups? Pretty much. Yeah, it's separate. I don't think we have anybody who overlaps. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anybody. That's that's interesting. And is it high school grad or seems to be the right age, even though you're reaching out for junior high or is junior high really like in a normal system? Like if you're going to build a school, you want the biggest groups at the youngest ages and then it goes up and up and up until it gets narrower and narrower. Is that the same way? So like seventh grade's got to be huge for it to be bigger later, or is it, no, nah, they're not quite there when they're 14 and 15 and really feeling a pressure. That's when it resonates. You know, they, they, we need it to be that way. But the reason we need to be that way is more the later they go and integrate with this, the more rehabilitation has to be done. And it's just harder. It's hard to change the brain. It's hard to, to get that neurological be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So again, we really hit hard the, uh, you know, one of our, one of our, she's a soft, she's a junior, and this is her ninth session through it. And now she's teaching. Like she literally, I said, Hey, Addie, teach class tonight, just teach it. And she did because now it's just so much a part of her. But well, she started when she was in eighth grade 
And so the, you know, it's funny because the high schoolers connect with it more because they're more mature and they're learning, their learning capabilities, but they, they have a lot more recuperative rehabilitative work to do because they're, they're that many more years down the path of wrong, you know, stinking thinking. And that's, that's, it's a challenge. This, that girl I was mentioning a, a little while ago, that's going to rice She's one of, I mean, she's one of our leaders, but the fact is she is a perfectionist who fell into that mental breakdown because she didn't take the very stuff she was teaching seriously. She didn't apply it to her own life and it got her, you know, but she's been in the program three years. So. Well, uh, if, if anybody that's been around um, youth sports in particular has dealt with parents, our uh, parents like, thank God somebody's come up with something or are they resistant? Like, ah, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm afraid you're going to, my kid's not going to be as, as good as he could be if he goes this route. Well, we do reviews, you know, we have them do feedback for us and the best, as you would expect the, the middle schoolers in particular, they don't, they don't give any positive reviews, you know, because they're middle schoolers. The parents are very favorable on this. Once they go through, that is an overwhelming where were you when? Why Why didn't I have this earlier? That's the constant refrain. I wish I'd have had this when Ian was in second grade. You know, we get that. And, and uh, so it's very favorable with parents. And you ask about our senior high pastor. He leads the parents. I lead the kids. He actually, I, so I teach the middle schoolers and high schoolers. He teaches the parents the same stuff. If you all watched, and I'm sure a lot of you did, the uh, um, bio on Tiger Woods that was just on. And I kept, as you've been unpacking this, I keep thinking of Earl Woods, man. (laughs) If he'd have gone through something like this, because Tiger's phenomenal, but there's a reason why there's a train wreck. There, there is. And like I say, I think, I think April 97 was a watershed issue. I think, I think, uh, I think it really changed parenting in America. If we can make this the right means to, to where we want to go, we'll get the right ends. And it changed. It made in in Joe Ehrman's language, it changed coaching and athletics from transformational to transactional. It's all a transactional thing. That's why you see parents going nuts over fourth grade basketball. Is you're not giving Timmy enough minutes, and you're hurting his scholarship chances. You, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it, it sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm really not exaggerating very much. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. They just need to read about Todd Marinovich. Oh, there's a name yes. from the past. Yes. Yes. That, that's, but I, I like that phrase that transactional instead of transformational. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's, that's huge. Yeah. All right, man, Charlie, you are the best as always. Thanks, uh, thank you. Thank you. We're going to get the stuff to the guys so they can, connect and learn more about players box and show them pretty pictures and all that stuff. And I'm sure some will reach out down the way because Charlie came up with this whole plan, not just for Southbrook, but he does want to share it with other churches. So thank you all. Thanks. Great to see you. Great to see you all your smiling faces. Mr. Cooper will be corresponding soon and let you know about next month. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, Charlie, as you can tell, if you listen to the episode dealing with these issues, it's not something that he just cares about as a pastor, but is also 
had such an impact on his family mental health. If you'd like to know more about what we do, go to thegivingchurch.com. I'm Phil Ling with the Giving Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening.